one of the best years since a long time. Um, as the English houses say, apparently it's comparable to 45, and it's maybe the best vintage made since 45. Um, in our case, I think our 17 is really, really special. Um, at the end of the tasting, we will show you the Bioma 17, which we haven't shown to hardly anybody until now. Um, 2005, I think, is in the bad moment. It's very closed, so it's not very generous. It's not showing what is behind this wine. So it's, it's the moment to not drink it and just forget it for another 20 years. 2003. Janssen criticized this wine for being too tannic and too big and too something. Um, I don't think so. I think it's actually very, very good. Uh, what we did do in 2003, being a very hot year, we did take all the overripe grapes out. Um, it was very funny because we were taking the grapes out and we didn't have space to do it. So it's a bit stupid to throw away overripe grapes. They were not rotten, they were just overripe, so like a Trockenbeeren Auslaser. And so we gave the, the raisins to a grower, assuming that he would do something with them at home. And um, suddenly we started noticing that his grapes came a lot selective already. Uh, so basically what he did was he took the overripe grapes and sold them back to us. Uh, which was not really the idea, so we stopped giving the, the grapes to anybody. Um, but 2003, as you can see, it's, it's a very tannic, it's a very concentrated wine, but it's not pruny. Um, I think, as Nick said in the beginning, uh, we, we, we have maybe our own way of seeing what Vintage Port is all about. Vintage Port is about great vineyards, great years and not overripe grapes. I think some of our colleagues, they insist on making monster wines which are overripe and pruny and very dark in color, but at the same time, I don't think they will age as well. They don't have the balance. They are just impressive. You don't want to drink them. But this is our opinion. So for us, we want to pick at the right time, which is a bit riper than red wine but we don't want any overripe grapes or overripe character in the wines. And 2003 is a good example of a very hot year, but no overripeness at the same time. That then five is so precise. Yes. That's exactly what I always liked about it. Yeah. And again, you have the balance of the components. Uh, and the integration of the alcohol is perfect. Um, it's very refined. I think it's just a little bit closed at the moment. But it's more on the more on the elegant. To me, it's more on the elegant side. Uh, the power, yes. Yeah. But it's also energy. Mm, yeah. And freshness. Yes. I'm happy to see that. Bigger 
wines. Um, I see two wines in common here, 2005 and the 82. There are different stages, but living on the edge, like how far can we go? Um, and we're not so worried that there's not so much colour. I worked in the, well, for the, another port wine company, and the classic way is very much the dark colour, the blue rim, and all that, and it will get you the, perhaps the gold, might be like, you know, over oak, over oak Chardonnay in a lineup will get you the gold medal, and the Chablis will, 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 will not get gold. It's a bit like that. It's more, we're more interested in balance, elegance, and equilibrium of different things, and not this overripe um, character. So, we don't have a problem with the 2005, you're right, right. It's, it's lighter in colour, but we don't have a problem with that. I don't either. Yeah. It is going through, as Doug said, a bad patch now. When it was about five years ago, it was very, when we first bought it, it was extremely exuberant. It was like sort of, it was like shot, wasn't it? Jump out of the glass, it was like really show off type of wine. Now it's gone into the sort of closed um, stage. But. Yeah, I'm wondering about the, what you're doing with fortification because I know some people fortify and they're still on the skins and one of the reasons that I understand is they want to get this color. Do you do we, that as a rule, we don't do that. Stability, okay. um, we, we, find, we find that when you uh, fortify on the skin, you do extract more color, but it's a uh, short-term color. Really? Yeah. It, it, it falls out more quickly. And, and by the way, I think that in 30 years, the color of the 2005 will be fresher looking than the 2003, I think. Uh, might, the 2003 might have a bit darker color, but it will look browner than the 2005. Uh, so, to, it's different. They are totally opposite style of years. Um, and 2005, nobody declared except us, as far as I know. Um, and, but 2005 is one of my favorite wines anyway. And the, the adding, if you add directly on, on the skins brand, the, it will extract straight away the color from the skins. Um, uh, almost like white, it completely bleaches out the color. And um, that, after about six months a year, that color will fall out. So, first six months, you win the gold medal. <laughs> so, yeah, we're a bit against that. But what we do like is uh, we like the price wine. So, in the perfect year where you have no rot, no nothing, and everything is clean. Um, we do like the price wine a lot, and sometimes, like in 2017 and a little bit in 15, we, we double pressed, uh, which is a pain in the ass, it's a lot of work, but you get like 150 meters of something which is pure gold, and it's, it's an extract of all the good things, and, and, and it works. But the, the vineyard has to be perfect. The grapes have to be perfect, otherwise you get a concentrated of, of the negative things as well. So you're looking for structure using Yeah. And you get three good, good cannons. Two, two press cards yeah. for three. And we lay out a big plastic sheet outside this room. Um, with a uh, fork, take out all the skins, mix them around, and put them back in from about two or three carts, and make one cart. Press that, as I said, you get about 150 litres. 
like black gold dust. And it's small things like that that make the difference, probably, back to the term of what makes vintage sport or vintage sport. Whereas if we're making a dry white wine, the, the press and the end of the press is you know, really negative. Whereas in vintage sport, it's very positive, gives you that structure, balances out the sweetness, and uh, gives you that longevity for, for aging. We, we think that what makes vintage sport vintage sport is, is details, like I and the vineyards. So uh, the old people, the English houses, uh, they knew, they know exactly where are the best vineyards. And, um, and it's a little bit like in Burgundy. On this side of the road is perfection, on this side is not perfection. And for Port, I think there's a great knowledge. And for me, uh, my hero was always a guy called Bruce Guimaraes. Um, I like him so much that I'm becoming more and more like him. Um, but uh, he loved port, but for me, he, he knew exactly which were the vineyards that really mattered, and, um, and that makes the whole difference. Turkey, you, you talked about, it's interesting what you were saying with Rami Mandali. You now have an extremely clear idea of what kind of port you want to make, as opposed to what others want to make. I'm curious about when and how you developed I think uh, the big, big change uh, came in 2005. Um, we, it has many reasons. The, one of the reasons were I bought the Pasadoro for a German guy who lived in Belgium, and there I started making the ports for Nieport. And when I left Pasadoro, uh, well, I knew I was going to leave Pasadoro sooner or later, we bought Valmendis. And Nick started working in 2003 with us. And uh, we bought this uh, building in 2003. And, and since then, it has been a, a learning curve, a learning process. And um, I think it's, it's really interesting. Making wine is much more difficult than making port. It's a little bit like speaking English badly is much easier than learning German. But to speak British English is really difficult because of nuances, details, double meanings, and so on. And so making port is very easy. To make the vintage port, it's really the vineyards and attention to details. Um, and it's really interesting that modern winemakers, they don't know how to make vintage port. Um, they go by logic of extraction and the more the better, but that's not how you make a proper port. Um, and so 2005 for me was the first year where uh, I took a different approach. I drove Nick crazy because um, I started making one barrel of a blend during the harvest, which drove him totally crazy and said, you can't make a blend during the harvest, it's against logic. Um, but the result is, is good. Um, but so by the end of the harvester, at the, at the start, that was really cross and fuming. And maybe this method to his madness. <laughs> You're not listening, huh? <laughs> anyway, 2005 was the only one that we did exactly like that. But, um, maybe it's part of the secret of 2005, maybe not. Uh, in any case, it's obvious that it's a bit risky to play like that during the harvest. 
but um, its attention to details has made a big difference. Uh, 2005 was fantastic. 2007, I think, is also a great year. Uh, Pishka 2008, I think, is one of the best vintage boards we have done, even though it's not a classic uh, vintage board. But um, I think Val Mendes and Nick and attention to details and having the right vineyards makes all the difference. But it's interesting that when I was in California, leaving to come back to Portugal in 87, I was with a guy called Gary Andrews and he said to me, so Dirk, you're going back, are you going to make wines in the door? And I said, yes, of course, I'm going to make port. And he said, no, no, I mean um, red wine. And I said, probably, I will try. I mean, don't forget, today the Douro is famous for its wines, not only port. But 30 years ago, there was no wine made in the Douro, apart from Barca Velha and Quinto do Porto and some bits and pieces. So something has changed dramatically. And, um, and, and I said to Gary, yeah, probably I'll do some experimental things. And, uh, and, uh, and he said, what kind of wine will you be making? And I said, well, my first wine is going to be a monster. But I think in 25 years I will be making finer wines, more elegant wines. And I said, why don't you make finer wines? Gary was an American trying to make French-style wines. Um, and I said to him, look, I have no idea how a fine wine tastes. Uh, I only know the Californian wines, and I hear the French uh, are doing some elegant stuff, but uh, I don't know how it's made, I don't know how it tastes. Uh, and it's interesting that, answering your question, 25 years later, our wines are much finer, lighter, more precision, I think much better than they used to be. So we changed from making rustic, big wine to making much finer, more elegant, and I think age-worthier wines than in the past. Uh, and with the port, I think it's the same. And what I'm trying to do, I'm actually not trying to reinvent the, the wheel. I'm, uh, I'm trying to learn from the old people. I'm trying to learn from my grandfather. And one of the things that is great about Nibort is that I'm the fifth generation, but we have a family called Lugeda uh, as blenders uh, working with us also in the fifth generation. Um, and so there is a lot of knowledge, empirical logic, and technical logic. Um, and so Nick came in to help us to be more winemakers, proper winemakers. Um, but we have a lot of old experience. And uh, I think that's what makes the Nipot style today. So 82 is, uh, is a year that is not considered great. Um, we didn't bring it to, can, to tell you that this is a great port, but it's a fun wine to drink. And, uh, and it's one thing I learned from the French. Uh, in the beginning, I was very Americanized, and uh, if someone gives you uh, a possibility to drink a great Bordeaux from a great year, or uh, a Bordeaux from a year that is not great, but tasting great, uh, American logic was, uh, my logic also was, no, I want the best. And in fact, 
Today, I think uh, the French are right. There are moments to drink the best, but there are many moments where the good tasting wine at the right time is much more better, much more interesting than just keep on drinking the best. And uh, you have to be patient and keep some wines to get them at the right moment. And, and there are lighter years, like 82, which are readier much earlier. And uh, this is probably the wine, apart from the 70, that is uh, the nicest wine to drink at this moment. And as Nick said, well, we don't have the problem of declaring two years in a row. Uh, if we like it, we do it, and that's it. Uh, so, so you do both. <laughs> it's our un-British side of it. Change the subject. It, it, I think it, it meets one of the requisites of the tasting was what makes a vintage port a vintage port. And this could be 82. The, I mean, a different different needs, different, different people, but some people would say it's a bit light, it's a bit, you know, and for us it's not light, uh, so it's a bit, some people might say it's a bit borderline, but I think it's showed the requisite of being able to age, um, it's done, you know. It's well, in, in reality, what makes vintage port vintage port is the time it spends in the bottle, and uh, the longer it is in the bottle, um, I love, like, the 82, when it shows some bottle sickness, or bottle age, uh, sounds better, but uh, I like the term bottle sickness. It, it makes the wines very sexy and very uh, fresh and very light in a way. Um, it's the bottle time that really makes vintage wine. Sickness is a positive thing, maybe. I don't know. Um, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound appealing. But um, there are people that don't like the bottle age character. Um, but I really, really like it. Um, um, when you put a tawny into, well, when you put a port into a barrel, over the time it becomes a tawny and it becomes bigger, sweeter, more luscious, more concentration. And when you put it in the bottle, it sort of goes back and it closes down and it becomes a bit metallic, bottle sick. But it's like the fruit is coming back, the precision is coming back. And um, you have that, of course, in the vintage port. But for me, uh, the best port in the world to drink just this moment would be a later 1935 bottle in 72 and open today. We're not going to taste it, don't we? <laughs> um, but uh, some people love it, some people don't. Uh, Perhaps the name sickness probably comes from. I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. Comes from when you when you decant a vintage port. It's been in the bottle for 50 years. It's a bit confused. A bit like uh, it's been so many years. It's been used to being in in the bottle, and uh, it's a bit all over the place. A bit confused, and so it's called sickness. So, uh, well, then we have 1970. Um, that's uh, one of my favorite wines of all. Um, it's a year that was never really considered to be great. It was overshadowed by 63. Um, but uh, today, if you taste of the, the 70s, it's very obvious that 70 is as good as 63. Uh, 
it's a very unfruity year. It's very peppery, very spicy. Um, the other great thing about 70 is you can buy almost any 70 and you will have a great bottle of port. Um, there's maybe one or two exceptions that are not good, but all, all are good somehow. Uh, while if you buy 63s, there's big variations from house to house. Um, it's also the only vintage, apparently, that my father made. Uh, he made a, an experiment at uh, Kinder in Frank, Kinder Nova. Uh, he, he says he made two bagages, one that he tried to have as clean as septic as possible, which doesn't mean a lot, and the other one just clean with the flies and everything. And uh, apparently, the lagar with the flies uh, tastes much better than the one without the flies. I don't know how true that is, but uh, in any case, my father is very proud of 17, and uh, it's sort of his little child. But uh, the truth is, this is one of our favorite years. And I, I would dare to say that Newport is as good as any other 70. It might become. Anyway, Bioma is actually from one single parcel uh, that is called Pishka, which is next to Quintanova. Uh, it's a property we actually we always work with. This. Uh, it belonged to a, our best grower. And I, it was always fascinating that in years of bigger production, there were always the three first barrels were the best. In smaller years, the two first barrels were the best. And so I thought, I found out that it was a mixture of Pishka with another vineyard called Ruda. And I thought it was the blending that was the secret. Until the day where I went to see the vineyard and I said to myself, maybe that this blend is so good because of Pishka vineyard and not because of the blending. So I was trying to think, how can I convince the grower to make this separately? Uh, how can I convince him to maybe sell the property? And the coincidence, while I was thinking this, he, he phoned me and said he's fed up with the vineyard, he wants to sell it, would I be Thank interested? You. And I, I said, no, 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 not really. <laughs> uh, so we bought it in 2003. And uh, so we made it separately, so, and uh, it all went uh, directly into the vintage 2003. Um, it's, uh, we bought it as being five and a half hectares, but in fact it's seven and a half hectares. Uh, but it produces very, very little quantity. And the other difference is that we age it in pipes, not in big old wood. Uh, and we bottle it almost a year later, or half a year later than the Newport vintage. Um, I have this theory from the old people that there is one right moment to bottle the vintage, uh, but if you miss, you know, it's sort of, you taste vintage ports, or you take decisions between December and January after the harvest. This is where the wines show their potential. And then it goes, closes down, and a year later then it starts going up. And uh, you have to get the right moment. 
And uh, so we have to taste the wine, but we think we will bottle this probably in January, unless the wine tells us that it wants to be bottled earlier. So it's, it's aged here in the Douro in pipes. I have no idea. Many, yeah. It's a very, very, very old vineyard. Huh? Oh, no, over 100 years, yeah. Probably. But uh, the, the amazing thing is, if you, after the harvest, when we taste in December the wines, and you have 70 samples, and you smell them, it's very easy to identify the pichka. It's always very different from anything else we have. This is a south-facing vineyard in the middle of the mountain, and it's in Calderam. Uh, it's it's it's, uh, it's in a, a site that actually looks at the river, but it's like an amphitheater, and so it's very hot. It's, it's a very extreme vineyard, so it's very easy to get over ripeness here. And we, in the beginning. To understand the vineyard, we used to pick three times at different times, and usually I prefer the first and the second, and not I don't like the third picking because there is too much concentration, too much overripeness. So we tried now to only pick it in two different times and and try to get it right. The good thing is you have all the concentration of a south-facing vineyard, but without overripeness. So there is uh, an incredible freshness about it. And the color is incredible as well.